0: We have been doing a series on heaven on earth and we've tried to bring the ideas that Paul has shared to the Ephesians into our lives, into a very practical way. So we can see that in reality God wants us to live his way in our society today. He wants us to bring heaven to earth. We, we know that that's exactly what Jesus came to do. When he said the kingdom of heaven is within you, he actually brought the kingdom of heaven to, to us to speak into our lives and to help us to get out of the way in which we are living now, um, which is the way that leads to death. Uh, he came to give us a new way, a new and living way, and that new and living way is the way he wants us to live. So today I want to talk to you about uh, heaven's purpose on earth. I want to speak to you about the purpose that God has in establishing a church. Um, You would have thought that God could quite easily confront or talk to each person individually in a way that would uh, make every person understand that they're confronting God and then give them a choice at that point of time whether to accept or reject Him and then close the whole book of history up. You know, it's not impossible for God to appear to everybody in the face of the earth and say, here I am, I'm God. You accept me or believe in me or not, and then just, you know, if they say no, well, he's got his number of those who will, and he's got his numbers of those who don't, and he could just shut the book then, and, and the whole, the whole thing of history could be finished. It could just, call, it could be over just like that. Uh, we know we can do it because we know. Uh, I've read, I've read uh, testimonies of. of uh, Muslim guys who had a visitation from Jesus who's come to I think there was one guy just recently who was in hospital recently here and Jesus came to him in the hospital and said I'm Jesus I want to heal you and he healed him and this guy turned from his Muslim faith that, to follow Jesus and it was a, just a little miracle you you can go onto YouTube and you can find dozens and dozens of other people who have had the same experiences where Jesus appeared to them they've been Muslim been Jesus has appeared to them and said you I want you to follow me and and, he, and they have been converted So Jesus can do that. Why doesn't he? Because he has a purpose in history. There's a reason for us being here. There's a reason for us sucking air. There's a reason for us actually living our lives. You might think it's pointless. You might think it's meaningless. You might feel like it's meaningless. And the older you get, the more meaningless it becomes. Solomon thought it was really meaningless. He says, meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. He couldn't get the point, you know. But there is a point, And the point is that God wants to do something through our lives. He is in the process. He loves the process. He wants us to do something with him in the process. It's not just about do we accept him or reject him. It's about what's it like to live with him in fellowship, to walk with him, to talk with him, and to work with him in the field. He wants us to experience that. That's his purpose. And so we want to have a look at the purpose of God today for the church. And so we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 to 21. I think I'll read it from the above, up here. To me, and it's is Paul he's talking, we, we heard last week that Paul was given this ministry to to the Gentiles to proclaim the incredible wisdom of God to Gentiles. Jewish, pe- Jewish people were Jews and anybody that wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. And Jews didn't like going to Gentiles. And we know that from Liz's preaching last week that that Paul was even reluctant to, you know, his desire was for Jewish people, but God said, no, you're going to the Gentiles, man. I want you for the Gentiles. And so he says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace, and to to me is Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's saying, uh, who is less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus or through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be, might be made known to, by the church to the, to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places. And that word intent is to the purpose, for the purpose that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now those principalities and powers are demonic principalities and powers. They are principalities and powers that have kept us in chains for many years, who have lied to us and uh, stolen from us and have chained us up with habits and and things and God wants the church to stand up and say you know what devil you can throw everything you like at these people but when i come and when i set up my kingdom in life in the lives of people i will bring freedom and freedom will come through the church and the church will proclaim freedom and he will break all the chains there is nothing you can do satan that can hold these people these people will rise away from your chains and be free that was his intent and his purpose and he did According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's it's an eternal thing. It's it's something in the mind of God. It goes back to eternity past when Lucifer stood up before God and said, You know what? I'm the most beautiful creature that's ever been made. And you know what? I think that I'm going to be better than you. And he stood up and he challenged God. And then he and the third of his angels were cast down and were were thrown out in, in that regard and lost their pace and situation in heaven, rebelled against God, and became Satan and his devils. You know, God must have looked at and thought, you know, I lost a third of my angels. I want some back. How do I get them back? I'll tell you what I do. I'll get them back from in amongst them. And then when man fell and became controlled by Satan and controlled by every demonic principality and power god says now i'm going to redeem myself my people back from out of that midst satan you think you got it you think you got some power you think you got some control here you know what i'm going to break the chains and he broke the chains in christ and then he's given it us the church the power to go on and take that message out to all those who are enslaved by satan that's the purpose of god for us he says, in whom in Christ we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, <clears throat> I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is for your glory. Now, we know that Paul was actually in jail when he was actually writing this pen to the, to writing this letter to the Ephesians. And he said, don't lose heart. And he's praying now for them. He's interceding for them. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the whole family in heaven and earth, for, for whom from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I like that. I like that one verse because it says that we are all family. Doesn't matter where we came from, doesn't matter whether you're born in Fiji or whether you're born in Africa or whether you're born in Britain or whether you were born in Australia or whether you're born in uh, Dutch Indonesia or whether you're born in in wherever you're born, it doesn't matter where you're born. If you you come to Jesus and you put your hand and faith in Jesus, then you are one family. The whole family drives its name from Jesus. We are blood brothers and sisters. We are all joined together by the blood of Jesus. We are one family here. Amen. Turn to your brother and sister say, Hello family. It's good to see you. This is family day and that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. He wants you to be strong on the inside. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. I like that. The width, the length, the depth and the height. Four dimensions. He says, this is so big. It's got four dimensions, he says. It's so big. He says, I want you to know. He says, the love of God. no, the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge. He wants you to know something that you can't know. It surpasses knowledge, but he wants you to experience it. You can't even understand it. You'll never be able to grasp it. You won't be able to get your hand on it. It is so outside of what you can grasp with your mind. But this love, this incredible love can be experienced. You can experience this love. You can experience the love of God. He wants you to experience. He says, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And we know that God is pretty big. He created the heavens and the earth and he stands outside of creation. He holds them all together with the Word of His mouth. And he says, I want you to have the fullness of God inside of you. Well, that's the started to pop my small mind. I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking, how is God in all his greatness and all his glory going to fill my little heart? Well, he wants to and if I, if I want to, and I love that, Jade, where are you, honey? Raise your hand, I can't see. There you are. I love that today. You know, he is standing there, desirous to reveal himself to us, desirous to pour himself to, into us, desirous to fill us to overflowing, and what? If we would seek him, if we would seek him. You know, we are so busy with so many other stuff, we should stop some and say, you know, if I changed my attitude now towards God, maybe I could experience something of God that I'm not experiencing at the moment. If I get to a situation and I think, God, oh, this is really tedious, church is really tedious, don't tell me how tedious church is, tell me what your desire from God is, because that will tell me why you have an attitude toward God that you have. Because he is not disappointing for anybody who find him, he is he's beautiful, the Lord is sweet to Taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. And those who are filled with him have never, have never turned back from him because he satisfies their every desire in him. If, if. I like that. Thank you, Jay, for that. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what we want to focus on today is this verse. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now we know that the devil had a purpose when he came. When he came, he came to disrupt everything that God had been doing. At the very beginning in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden, when, when Satan was there in the Garden of Eden and, and Eve was there, his whole idea was to twist the mind of Eve and the mind of Satan to take them, to deceive them and to destroy them, to bring them death. And Jesus said that the purpose of Satan in John 10.10 10 was to steal, to kill and to destroy. His purpose was to steal, to kill And destroy. Say that. The devil wants to steal to kill and destroy. Say it again. The devil wants to steal to kill and to destroy. Okay. That's his purpose. He wants to do that. He is looking look and he doesn't play fair. He's not just saying, "Well, you're an adult, and I'll think I'll get you because you're an adult." He's looking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he will do that to your children. He will do that to the little ones. He will say, "Why don't you just give him this, and that will kill him? Why don't you just let him watch that, and that will really pollute their minds? Why don't you just behave this way in front of them? That will really mess them up." The devil doesn't really care what's going to happen. He's got so much dysfunctionality happening in the world today that the little ones, the little children, are growing up with absolutely no sense of what's right or what's wrong anymore because. The adults in front of them have been so deceived by Satan and so bound by Satan that they don't know what's right and wrong anymore. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't give, put everybody and give everybody. The devil has a plan to kill, to steal, and to destroy, and he has no raw, war rules that say, well, you shouldn't do that to little ones. He'll give you a toy, and it'll be a bomb inside, and it'll blow you to bits just by you playing with a toy. And how many times do you sit down, and isn't that in the back of your head when you sit down and start playing some stupid thing, and in the back of your head is saying, I've got to stop this because this is killing me. This is destroying my relationship. This is destroying my life. Why am I getting addicted to this stupid thing? In your mind, you already know that. But the devil doesn't care. He says, you're having fun, eh? Might as well go down having fun, eh? You sell your soul short for a little bit of a fluff, for two seconds of fun, you know, and your eternity's lost. The devil doesn't care. He has a purpose. You know what? We need to wake up to that purpose and recognize that the devil has a purpose and God has a purpose, and there's a clashing of two purposes here. You know, Paul says it in Romans. I think it's Romans chapter six. You've got to choose whom you're going to serve. If you serve God, you know, put away all the stuff and just serve God. Or you serve the devil. You've got to. You, you've got to choose. Who you've got to serve. Bob Dylan wrote a song. You've got to serve somebody. Well, you, you know, you've got to serve somebody, he sang or talked, or whatever he did. I don't know, if you like Bob Dylan, you would like him, but he, that's it. So you are got to align with somebody's purpose. You're going to get involved with either the devil's purpose or you're going to get involved with God's purpose. You've got a choice you have to make. And the gospel tells us that Satan's purpose is to blind the minds of those who don't believe. Like he doesn't want you. He does to say, oh, look, I'll let you, you know, we think this thing, you know you got to have, give person a choice, you know. Let them see, you know. So, you know, they should choose whether they want to go to church or they should choose if they don't want to go to church. A child should choose. Let them choose. If they want to go to church, well, that's fine. If they don't want to go to church, don't force them to go to church as if they knew what is good for them. And then we'll give them some sports to play on Sunday. So make it even worse, you know, so they can choose to come to Bible study or Sunday school or they can choose to play sport they've got a choice now that's a, you know and and we think you know we think that this is just life in the 21st century in australia that's just the way it is it's not that's the way it is because that's the way satan set it up so that he could take our young people out of church on sunday that they would never learn anything on sunday that they would spend their time pushing a bike running playing singing swimming whatever they do on sunday because it's the day you do those stuff it's the day you have sports or they work work on Sunday when you should be in church work why because your money is important hey more important than your eternity hey money don't ever say you can't work on Sunday because if you've got to get a job you've got to get work you've got to get money but if you say I can't work on Sunday well watch out they won't give you work. You know, why don't you have principle? You see, the devil doesn't play fair. The devil wants to destroy you. And he, he'll set it all up so that there are no boundary lines. And it's just like if you say, well, you know, you should say, well, I'll go to church on Sunday, not work. I don't want to work. On, all my kids did that. And all my kids had jobs. They all said, we will not work on Sunday. And God was faithful to them. And they all came to work, church on Sunday. And then they all had jobs during the week. They just put their foot there and said, no, I am a believer. I don't want to work on Sunday. And I want to tell you, if you're looking for a job, you will get a job. And the first day they'll put you on is Sunday. You know why? Because the devil knows that he will play that silly game and he will take you out and you'll be sitting there wondering, oh, I don't, okay, I don't feel like I'm connected to God and the family anymore. Why? Because I'm working on Sunday. Every time I want to go to Bible study, I've got work. They call up and get me to go and work. Why? Because it's a... The devil knows it. He's about clouding your mind. You know, there are things that are more important than God. Blind your mind to it. Make it all foggy so you can't see. Get it all up there and say, well, everybody else does it. Why is it wrong? Make it all sort of so foggy that no one knows what's right or wrong anymore. And so why are you saying this to me, Mark? Are you judging me? No, I'm saying there are two purposes in life. One purpose is God's purpose and the other purpose is Satan's purpose. You've got to ask yourself the question, which team are you on? Which team are you on? Because in the last days, the love of most will grow cold because the iniquity, wickedness will will grow. My my job is to speak to you and and to ring the bell and say, warning, warning, danger approaching. You can't keep on thumbing your nose at God and think that grace will continually abound. You can sin that grace will abound. The scripture says quite clearly, should we sin that grace should abound? Should I keep on doing the wrong thing that God can keep on forgiving me? Paul says, God forbid. He says, you know what you need to do? He says, the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live upright and godly lives in this present world. So his grace not actually doesn't forgive us just like that. It says, you know, say no, stand up and say no to the stuff that's coming at you. There's two purposes in this world. There's the devil's purpose and there's God's purpose. Which purpose are you behind? Jesus said he came to destroy the works of the devil. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 7-8, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. I mean, that's really, that's really black and white here. John's really black and white <laughs> If you do the right thing, then you are righteous. He says, if you do the wrong thing, then you are unrighteous. He says, if you do the right thing, you are saved. If you do the wrong thing, you're unsaved. That's pretty simple. You know, we're the one who made it all foggy. We're the ones who said that Christians are not perfect. They're just forgiven. We're the ones who say, you know, we can keep on doing the wrong thing. It's okay because Jesus understands and he will forgive me. We're the ones who think that we can break the law and get away with it because Jesus is our friend, and somehow we got we got Jesus' friendship on our side; he'll protect us. I don't know where you got that theology from, because it's not from the Word of God. It's very simple, and I know it sounds like. And this is not talking about salvation by works; you have to work to get it's, it's, Once you get saved, there should be a, a an amazing difference in your life. Don't start fooling me and say, look, you know, I, I, I'm saved, Mark. I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I know I have sex with kids out. Yeah, I know that I do this and I, don't, I know I, I live, you know. Uh, listen, don't talk to me to convince me. I, I, I'm not interested in making a judgment about where you're going. I'm not going to sit here and start saying, well, you're going to hell. I don't know where you're going, but I'll tell you something. You have to stand before the judge and explain yourself before him, not me. Not me. You'll have to stand before God and explain your actions before God. And that may be a little bit embarrassing. Because if his word speaks to you and his work is right there, it says you should not do this and you're doing it, then you have to explain to him why. Now your justification may be able to convince me to say, okay, I'll turn a blind eye. But it won't convince God because God is holy and righteous and more holy and righteous than you will even understand. His holiness and his righteousness took his son and pinned him to a cross and punished him for all of our sins. That's scary. He who sins is of the devil and for the devil has sinned from the beginning. I mean, that's too black and white, John. Please don't use those terms because we'd have to rip that page out of the Bible because it doesn't sit well with us today. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil, we're told. So Jesus came to destroy those works. And the people he saved, Eli, he saved you. With his outstretched hand, he redeemed you. He picked you up from where you were. From the things that you'd done wrong, he forgave you. He washed you with his blood. He died specifically for you, Eli. For what purpose? For what reason? That you should there go back and wallow in the mud? To keep on doing the things that you used to do? Get caught up with the things that you used to get caught up? Or did he save you to be different? To be a light in a dark place? To shine your light toward others around you? He saved you for a purpose. He didn't save you that you should recant and go back into the filth. He saved you to lift you out of the filth that you would be a a stone that shines so brightly for him. He did that with all of us. He saved us all to be different. And that's what the purpose is about. It's understanding that he saved us to be different. He called us to be different. He set a seal upon us that we would be different, that we would have an influence to be different, to make a difference, that we're not called to be the same, that we're called to be different. We're called to be light in a dark world. We're called to be salt where there's corruption abounding. We're told to be a pathway of truth where there is lies abounding. He has called us to a highway of holiness where filth abounds around us. He has called us to be different. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to be different. I didn't hear you. <laughs> I want to be different. <laughs> okay. Now here's the two. I got this chart. I thought this chart was good. And I'm, not, I'm just going to just, there it is. It's this chart. Have a look at the chart. There's a little bit of uh, best up there at the bottom in one of those things. But anyway, here's Satan. Everybody's adversity. Every, he's everybody's enemy. He's exalted himself, resulting in man's ruin. That's the word ruin. He accuses us before God. The follow, his followers share in his ruin. Just think about it. Men become like him. He's a liar and a deceiver. I mean, have you, did you listen to politics this week? Seriously, did you, did you, did you waste a whole day watching that? I did. I, th- I thought, what am I doing? At the end of the exercise, I thought to myself, this is just folly upon folly. I, I thought to myself, Jesus, come back give us give us a kingdom that never ends this this kingdom that we're living in now is full of deception and it's full of lies and i think to myself i can see somebody's fingerprints in this whole thing and they ain't jesus' fingerprints we ought to pray for our government we ought to pray for our politicians they sorely need it promises freedom it makes men slaves the word of slaves turns men from the father, proceed, produces death, resists the will of God and cruel and sadistic now I, I want you to think about this this is, this is I want you to think about this side here. these are all all the people who are like their father. Can you see you do any of that? Did you resist the will of God this week? Did somewhere in your life God tell you to to do something and you found yourself resisting the will of God, you are actually saying, I know what you want me to do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to resist your will. You know what? You're sounding like your father. That doesn't, that doesn't sound nice. And I don't want you to feel hurt by that. But I want you to reflect upon that. You will examine yourself to see that as Jesus Christ is in you. You want to reflect, are you sharing in the ruin of people? Are you sitting down and watching somebody go into calamity and sit down and say, <laughs> I really enjoy it when I see you going through a hard time. You deserve it. Are you really sharing in somebody's ruin? Do you actually set yourself in motion to actually share in somebody by gossiping about somebody or putting somebody down? Do you actually. Are you happy when somebody gets a demotion or somebody gets sacked? They deserved it. I mean look, think about it. Who is that like? Think about it. Who is that like? Are you cruel and sadistic? I'll punch him, I'll slap him. I'll tell him what if he comes near me, I'll slap him with my hand, my whole hand, right on his face. Who you like? Have you told lies this week? Have you attempted to deceive somebody this week? Did you set out to deceive somebody? You were confronted with something. you were caught, you, somebody found you and you said, oh, do, oh, you know, to escape, I will tell a lie. I will just tell a lie, I will deceive and I'll just deceive them just like that. So easy. Easy to get out of trouble, isn't it? You just tell lies. But who's that like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's two teams. Which team are you on? There's two purposes in life. Which purpose is the one that you are fulfilling? Here's Jesus. He's the sinner's advocate. He's going before the Father and saying, I know he's done some wrong things. Like, A dolphin did some wrong things this week. Look I, look, I'm praying for her, God. Forgive her, help her, strengthen her. I'm standing in the gap there for her, I'm interceding for her. When some when somebody was going through some difficult time this week, did you did you look at did you mock at them and did you say, Oh, they deserve something? Or did you stand in the gap and start to pray for them? Were you, the spirit of Jesus on you to be an advocate? Was there intercession rising up inside of you? Did you find it building up inside of you and say, I want to pray for that person? They go, I would not like to be that person. I sit and I prayed for a man called Don this week. I said, oh God, there's a problem in that man's life and somebody needs to stand in a gap for him. What did you do? You've got to ask yourself the question, which side am I on? Which team am I playing for? What's the purpose of my life? What's my team driven purpose? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I speaking the truth? Am I taking chains off people's lives and saying, look, warning them when they, they, they're about to do something that's going to bring a bondage on their life and a chain that's... Am I actually being a voice and saying, warning, warning, there's a chain approaching. Don't do that because if you do that once, you'll do it twice, three times, four times. Before you know it, you'll be bound up and locked up and chained up and you don't want to be there. Warning, warning, chain approaching. Have you been doing that? Which side are you on? Or do you just turn, oh, I don't think I'll confront them. I don't think I'll say anything to them person. you know, because if I say something, they'll think that I'm judging them. Do you really care? The watchman, if he really cares, he would call the trumpet. He would blast the trumpet. Da 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 He'd say, warning, there's something happening here. And he would give a warning. And You know why he gives a warning? Because if he doesn't give a warning, he is held responsible f- for the calamity that comes upon that person because he never warned them. We don't, like, we don't like people warning us, do we? Because they wrap it up with judgment. And they judge us and we don't like that. So try, if you're going to be warning people, to wrap it up in love and grace and not judgment. People will listen to you more if you're gracious than if you are judgmental. So all those given to warning, listen to me. Soak yourself in grace before you go. Let your words be with grace, seasoned with salt so you may know how to answer every man. Let the compassion of Jesus come pouring out of you. I like that chart. If you want it, I can send it to you. God's purpose on earth is revealed here to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be known to the church, to the principalities, by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 11, these words, and we used to sing this song years and years ago for those who are that old and they can remember it. I won't tell them how old you are. Can you remember that? From the rising of the sun and to the going down of the same the Lord's name it is to be... Who can, can you sing with me, Noel? Sing it with me now, brother. From the (laughs) rise all right so we know that this is where it comes from it says from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the same my name shall be great amongst the gentiles i think we were even talking about that uh tony at the beginning where, uh, where god was saying he wanted to speak to the gentiles life and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and the pure offering for my name shall be great amongst the heathen," saith the lord of hosts i mean that's the purpose of god he wants his name to be great God is desirous to make his name great amongst people, you know, and he has some good news. It's amazing good news for us to make known to those who don't know God. In fact, um, when Jesus came, this whole idea of making his name great was um, wrapped up in a couple of those little parables that he, he told about the kingdom of heaven. And remember, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth. Because this is kingdom of heaven living on earth. He says, this is a parable to explain the kingdom of heaven living on the kingdom of earth. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed into his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, a very small seed. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Okay, so... the, the. he says, this is the kingdom of heaven. It gets sown in the earth and it grows up. And it's bigger than the mint leaves and it's bigger than the parsley and it's bigger than the other. It actually grows up into a tree. This mustard tree. It's grown so big now that the birds of the air can come and sit in its branches. I like this. Is just just bear with me. You know, the church can have influence over the birds of the air They come and sit in its branches. That people from the world can come. They may not belong to the tree. They may not be part of the tree. But they'll come and sit down for the wisdom that's in the tree. For the protection that the tree gives. They'll build a nest in it. We don't like to think of unsaved people building a nest in the church. But, you know, they'll come and they'll find themselves comfortable in the church. Why? Because it's better to listen to the the news that's coming from the church than listening to the rubbish that's coming from the world. They want somewhere where they can get some good news. People come and sit just to hear something different. The next one, he says, is this one. Verse 33. Verse 33. And another parable he spoke to them, and this is the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, this is the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is us here now. Which a woman took, and he said, it's like leaven, which a woman took, and he hid in three measures of meal until it all became leaven. Now, the leaven is yeast. <clears throat> and you, you, you made me a, a loaf of bread this week. Thank you. chili bread. It's hot. I tasted some. Um and you had yeast you put in it didn't you so you get your dough and you wrap it up in your dough and you put all your ingredients in and then the last thing you put into it is the yeast you pour the yeast in and you, and you you think and you sit it there now the thing that yeast does is it actually gets into the bread and it starts to bubble its way through the whole lump until the whole lump now has become full of air bubbles that's the point of it then it's cooked and it's cooked and it's light and fluffy if you ate it just like it would be like eating play without the yeast cook a lump of play-doh and tell me how appetizing that is for you it'd be like eating a rock but yeast makes it light so he now is using this idea of yeast not as as evil but as an illustration or a picture of what the church should be like he says the church when you put it in the world it will sit there in the world and it'll start to influence it will start to influence everybody around. You know, so I'll come over here, I'm a little bit of yeast, and I start to influence you. I influence you and she becomes a little bit of yeast. Now I want you to go and influence somebody else. Now if you're influenced, you have to stand on your feet, so we're gonna go. And then once you're influenced, you have to do the same thing. Okay, I'm gonna go in and get influenced. You are you influencing? What side are you on? Influence somebody. Just touch them and that's the influence. I touch you. Right now you're on your feet. You've been influenced. It's going through the whole lump. You have to get up Otherwise you're on the other side All right, you get the point You're influenced Are you doing influencing? Influence that man Influence somebody Touch somebody Touch somebody Once you get touched Once you're touched You get up and touch somebody else Once you're touched Get up And if you're touched You have to stand up If you're touched You have to stand up And touch somebody else Whatever you do, you have to stand up and touch somebody. The yeast is going through the whole lump. That's the picture. The the picture is that the yeast goes through the whole lump. You can't sit standing down. You have to stand up. Once you get touched, you're a piece of yeast. You have to touch somebody else. You have to touch somebody in influence. You have to touch. You can't get too comfortable. That's the whole point of the exercise. The whole point of the exercise. Is that picture clear to you? Grasp it. Think about it. Is that picture clear to you? When Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a piece of yeast, he was saying you're going to have an active part in placing that and making that a lump somewhere else is going to have to get up and get going too. You are part of a kingdom of God which is not passive, it is active. You're part of a kingdom of God which is doing something, it's purposeful. You are part of a kingdom of God that requires you to take action to do something about your faith. And when you do something about your faith, you will redeem those who are caught in darkness. You will let them free. Captives will get free and they will start to redeem others. How many people are standing behind you that are going to get saved because you get turned on for Jesus? I don't know how many people Pulu is going to affect for Jesus. I'm going to affect and try to help Pulu because I believe that Pulu will help others. Look, this is not about sitting comfortably in church. No, they don't disturb me. This is about recognizing what Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is going to be like on earth. We are told that we're going to mani- show the manifold wisdom of God. Now the manifold is, is multifaceted. Are you sleeping, in dolphin? Sit up, look at me. This is a difference here. Look at that, beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it radiant, and gorgeous? And look at this. Here's a different. This is different, but still radiant and gorgeous. Uh, look what. Another Martina, difference again. But all the same color. Ah, oh, but over here. Different again. She's beautiful, isn't she? <laughs> i'm not going there <laughs> listen to me manifold means various different totally different type, all kinds of different kinds of wisdom but there is one thing common about wisdom and we learned that on tuesday night wisdom is not what you know it's not some philosophy of like you know have you heard the wisdom well, let me tell you about it. Well, A plus B equals C. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is not information that you store up, a philosophy, a thought that you hold in there, some sort of idea that you've got, that a secret idea that you've got, some secret idea over. some Wisdom is the way you do the right thing at the right time. That's when you know you're wise. If trouble is approaching and you see it coming, a wise person gets out of its way. It's as simple as that. Wisdom is saying, you know, there's two things I could do here. There's a right thing and a wrong thing. Wisdom, wrong thing. Wisdom is the, the one who says, you know what? It's always wrong to do the wrong thing. There's no right time to do the wrong thing. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be wise today. I'm going to do the right thing at the right time. Everybody say, I want to do the right thing at the right time. Come on, Esther, let me hear you say that. I want to do the right thing at the right time. It's easy to do the right thing at the wrong time, but no, I want to do the right thing at the right time. I can say, I can do the right thing here today. It's the wrong time to say, I want to do the right thing. This is the wrong time to say it. You have to say it when you're in the wrong place and the wrong thing is being presented to you. That's the right time to do the right thing. That's when you are wise. Uh, We can all be smart here. We can all be all squeaky clean here. We can all be nice and clean here. But you know what? It's not here that we have to convince anybody. It's when we get into our private space, in our lone time when we're all alone by ourselves that's where no one can see us and we have to make a right choice at the right time, not the wrong choice at the right time, we have to make it right, that's wisdom, now I'm not interested in making your head fatter with knowledge, I'm interested in getting you to be practical and doing the right thing at the right time and that's the wisdom that God is wrapped up in the church, he says you know the church will be going out and really influencing people because the church will be people who do the right thing at the right time and it will be seen that they are righteous and wise. The church will be turning the TV off because it's corrupting them. The church will be turning away from rubbish because it's corrupting them. They do the right thing at the right time, that's wise. And the more you do, the more people see the difference. And the more people see the difference, the more people see Jesus making the difference. And they start turning from their sin and turning toward him. And the lump grows in the lump. The leaven grows in the lump. Luke chapter seven thirty five says, But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. That's the New Living Translation. It says, Wisdom will be shown right by her actions. Like it's what you do. It's like... That's the children that come out of your life, not the children. children. I'm not talking about children. I'm talking about the offspring of your actions. If you do the wrong thing, the children, like if you take drugs, the child of drugs will be addiction. Ruin. If you have sexual immorality, the child of sexual immorality will be broken relationships. Busted relationships. Disease. That's what it will be. That's the child of it. And Jesus says, "Listen to my words. If you do what I say, the children will be right. You'll do the right thing, and you'll have the right response or the right result." I like that. In John chapter, first John chapter three verse ten, he tells us it's not actions. It's not. Uh, it's not talk. It's actions. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. I mean, John is quite plain. He's scary, this guy. Seriously scary. Have you read First John? Scare yourself to death. Read it this week. Go to First John and read the the five chapters in First John. Read it slowly. Read it every day. Scare yourself to death. I'm serious. After you read it and say this is and, and say this is the word of God. <laughs> read it and then say to yourself, this is God's word. Like underline it. I will read First John 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. No, that's not. That's John 1, isn't it? 1. But it's similar to that. The things that we have seen, that we have held with our hands, and we have seen with our eyes, this is, we shall tell you, this is in First John. This is the Word of God. Tell yourself it's the Word of God. And then say these words The Word of God is to be obeyed. Can you. Can you Right. This is the word of God. Let me hear it. So when you read it, say this is the word of God. The word of God is to be obeyed. <laughs> oh, this is going to be awful this week. <laughs> you can't get through this week, you know, in sin. This is exactly what he said. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor does he who does not love his brother. And then he goes on and says, you know, in the verse, just before this in verse 9, he who is born of God does not continue in sin because he cannot, because it's impossible for him to sin. He cannot sin. It's a, we, we, how can that be? Because when you read it, you say, this is the word of God. It is to be obeyed. And wisdom obeys the word of God. Wisdom obeys. Obeys the word of God. James chapter 2 verses 20 to 22 puts this idea of believing in God and doing something about it together. And notice he says, you foolish person. The foolishness is because you think that you can say you are a Christian and not do anything about it. You think that you can say you're a believer and not do anything about it? He says, that you're, you're kind of foolish. He says, the wisdom of God is that you do something about it. So he then says, you foolish person, do you not want to evidence of faith without deeds as useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his, that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. What happened with my speakers? Has that gone like that? No, Just my ears. He's healing me. (laughs) Your actions must complete your faith. In the kingdom of God, which takes its presence on earth and makes its presence on earth, in the kingdom of heaven, when, when it's on earth, their talk and their actions are the same. Do you understand that? When I say this high, then I live this high. Do you understand that? Faith without that accompanying action is dead. I can say and I can say and I can say again. In fact, I can have mighty nice music and I can say it with music. I can say it any way you like it with music. But if I don't live, It you are a hypocrite, you say and you don't do. Now, how what's the biggest? What's the biggest church problem the church faces today? False teaching, hypocrisy, people saying and not doing that's our biggest problem. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 16. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by what they do, their behavior. You'll be able to tell the good ones from the bad ones by what they do. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He says. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. You see, this idea, wisdom is what you do. It's doing the right thing at the right time. When when he says the purpose of the church is to make the manifold wisdom of God present to everybody around, he says, you know what the purpose of the church is, is to do the right thing at the right time. The purpose of the church is to do the right thing at the right time. If people are getting deceived by rubbish, then the church should stand up and speak the truth. It's doing the right thing at the right time. When people, our young people are getting caught up into all this nonsense and they're getting swept away into nonsense and rubbish, uh, what do we do? We just sit there and say, that's the young people of today. No, the church, to be relevant, must say the right thing and do the right thing to present the truth to these people so they're not taken away by it. The Church must do something about it. You have to do something about it. It's, look it's, look don 't sit there and say well we'll get do it mark you 're the church. do it no i 'm not the church i 'm just one voice in the church. We are the Church. We are responsible. You are responsible. Whatever you do is responsible for the people around you. What are you doing? Are you affecting them? How you, you know, a, My wife stubbed a toe yesterday. She got it and it's blue and it looks sore. And I oh the poor, and then she's hobbling around. Why? That stubbed toe is making her whole body feel like it's Do you want me to touch it? Look at it. Oh, look at it. it's bored. Did we get prayed for it today? You know what? Everything that we do affects somebody else. It's what you do. Not just what we say, it's what you do. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Oh, you're good at church, you come and you can do a prophecy. Well, that's pretty smart. We can sit in awe of you. You cast out demons in your name and done wondrous names. name. You know what? It doesn't wash with Jesus. Religious works don't wash with Jesus if you're not living that life that goes with it. He'll say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. There's nothing wrong with casting out demons and nothing wrong with praying for the sick and nothing wrong with, with um, prophesying. There's nothing wrong with doing that. The problem is if you don't do what he says, there's something wrong with it because you're creating an image, that inside you're nothing like that. Faith and works go hand in hand, the same. As I will declare to you, I never knew you depart from me who practice law. That's scary. I mean, that, after you've read John, scare yourself with that one. The purpose of the church, that's our purpose in life, is to be consistent, to practice wisdom, to do the right thing at the right time. Irrespective of who's standing in front of us, irrespective of where we are. James Bamford, it, you need to do the right thing at the right time in front of your peers even when it's not popular and everybody will think, oh, you're not a believer, are you? That's exactly when you have to be doing the right thing at the right time. Misha, it's important when you're working and you're learning that, that cooking and, and doing stuff like that, that you stand up and, and, and if everybody's saying, well, let's do this, that, 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 that's the wrong thing. If you're not a light at that point of time, you have ceased to be what God created you to be the purpose of God must be made known to the principalities So the demons that are behind the ones that are trying to convince you to do the wrong thing need to be seeing that you are like Jesus and not like them Ruth it's the same it's the same I mean Marie it's the same Every one of us needs to own this. We, we, cannot, we cannot walk away from this and think, you know, well, that's just for you, Mark. It's up for you for doing this. You know, this is not about what I do and how I live my life. This is not about it. It's what Jerome does at work that makes the difference. In the face of darkness, when he shines the light, that's the manifold wisdom of God being exposed to the principalities and powers. That's it right there, right there. Doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. Even when it can cause you, may cost you his job, it may cost you your. Except, it doesn't matter. God is not fazed by that. If you lose your job, you didn't lose your life. You could lose your life by doing it, but it doesn't matter. God is not fazed by that. In heaven, many cry, "When, Lord? When, Lord? When will you revenge us for our lives that have been? Our blood has been shed. You know, they are waiting for God to avenge, revenge their blood that was shed. They died for their faith, doing the right thing at the right time, and it cost them their life. This is not. This is not just if you're over the top, you know, spiritual. You know, this is if you're a believer. If you're in the kingdom of God, if you're a believer, this is what it is. Matthew chapter seven's got a whole lot of different ideas in it. And this one, he talks about the man who built his house upon the rock. And I've heard this spoken so many times. People talk about building your house upon the rock. You know building a life on Jesus. Jesus is the sure foundation. We know that. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation. You to build your life on him. But in this passage of Scripture, if you want to be really strict about what is this passage of Scripture saying, it's not telling us to build our lives on Jesus. He's the cornerstone. Listen to what he says. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, I would like him to a wise man. Why? Because wise is the person who does the right thing at the right time. He who hears my words and obeys them. He is like the wise man. He who hears my word and disobeys them. Listen, there's a, there's a calamity coming that's going to going to come down and wash your house away and you're going to stand there. What happened? What happened? You did not listen to the voice of warning. You did not do what you were told to do. You did not obey the words when they came to you. The wise man hears these sayings of mine and does them. There's an agreement between what he hears and believes and what he does. It's the same thing. That's the manifold wisdom of God, making his presence known in the face of principalities and power. They're coming at you and they're trying to get you to sin. They're trying to get you to talk, to deceive, to, to malign, to slander. They're trying to bring you bring you, and and pull you away from God. They're standing there, they're presenting themselves. Day after day, they come before you to accuse you. Day after day, they present themselves to bring you down. Day after day, they're there to tempt you, to take you away. Every day, you should stand up and say, I will do the right thing at the right time by the Spirit of God who is in me. And listen, you are not doing this by yourself. If you think this is just my religious duty, you know, I have to do my religious duty. God bless you. This is not what he said. He says in James, he says the same thing. Be doers of the word, not hearers deceiving yourself. He says you look in the mirror and forget who you are when you don't do it. Paul tells Titus, to these people claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. He warns about people like that. Listen to this. God is involved in this whole process. Philippians chapter two, verses twelve and Therefore, bid be, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my pre- absence, but now almost so in my pre- not only in my presence, but also in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. As says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Look. I am not where Noel is. He is not where I am. We live in different places. We belong to the same family. We come from the same father. And we have the same purpose. We have listened to our father's instructions. We've heard what he said. Noel, in his situation, will face his demons. They're not my demons. They're an assignment for Noel. They know Noel. They know Noel better than I know Noel. They know where he is. They know what he's done. They know what they've got him before with. And they know what they want to set up around him. And the Bible says, they're not slack. They're looking to devour him. It says, the devil is roaming around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. They're on assignment to destroy him. And I can say, I can pray for you. You poor old man, you've got these demons coming at you. And you can look at me and say, you've got your own demons, poor old man. Because it's the same for both of us. It's the same for you. There's a devil on assignment on your life. Julie. He knows where you live. He puts thoughts in your head. If we knew those thoughts that he put in your head, you wouldn't even come in this place. You just wouldn't want us to know those things. It's the same for everyone here. The devil is on assignment. But that's great, you know why? Because you're full of the fullness of God. You're filled with the in, unconquerable Christ. You're filled with the Spirit of God who never quits, never gives in. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you. The Word of God is on your lips. You are covered with the armor of God. And everything that you face in life is going to fall off you because you will do the right thing at the right time. You will not be defeated, you will overcome. You will overcome and you will stand in the end when everybody else is falling down around you because you put your trust in God and you walk with God and you say, God, I will that you would work in me to work and to will for your good pleasure. I choose that today to work and to will for your good pleasure. Work it out in me. Make your manifold wisdom made known to the principalities and power every demon that comes at me today. God, by your spirit, give me the words to say, I resist you in Jesus' name. I bring the blood of Jesus over my life. I come against you now in the name of Jesus. Give me the power and the authority that I have and let me exercise that right now in the face of every torment. Bring it on, devil. Bring it on because Jesus is stronger than you. You know, I think about how we live. Ephesians tells us this way, at the end of that passage, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, if only you had resisted, if only you had resisted, you would have seen the exceeding abundance of God, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works where? The power that works where? Within us. He says, You can do more than you even ask or think. He says, You have no clue. He says, Just stand up, do the right thing at the right time, and you watch what happens. Stand up and do the right thing at the right time and you will be surprised. It will never have entered your mind that you could do those things. You see, we sit down and we think we've got to have a 10-year goal. got to have a 10-year plan to do the will of God. We sit down and we think, what would I want to do when I'm 10 years old? A whole lot of pride gets wrapped up in that thing. I want to be doing this in 10 years' time. You know what? You don't have to worry about the future. Jesus says, don't worry about the future. The future will worry about itself. You've got enough trouble today to deal with. Just deal with the day. If you make the right choice today, do the right thing at the right time today, Martin. You know what? In 10 years' time, you'll be exactly where God wants you to be, doing the right thing at the right time. And it may be a worldwide ministry or it might be something else. It doesn't matter. You don't have to plan it. God has got it all under control. You just have to do the right thing at the right time. I want to do the right thing at the time. Say it. I want to do the right thing at the right time. Say it. I want to do the right thing at the right time. I want to do the right thing at the right time. By your Spirit, Jesus, help me to do the right thing at the right time. Help me to do all that you want and bring glory to your church through it in Jesus' name you know what, we have not seen what God will do through us if we all decide to do the right thing at the right time and we go out there into highways and byways and do it. If we all do that, you won't be able to even comprehend what God is able to do out on you. He'll pour it out on you. You wouldn't even perceive it. You said, what happened? You know what, that's called revival. You know what revival is? Everybody doing the right thing at the right time. That's nothing, no, no special thing, you know, no, just... Get to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm following you. Let's do the right thing at the right time. Stand up. I am conscious this week has been hard. It has been difficult for some of you. And it's been difficult because it's like a, a cloud has rolled in over you. It's like a cloud of emotion. You don't know where it came from. It just rolled over you. And you sat underneath this emotion like it was like a heavy weight. And you could not feel the presence of God. All you could feel was your flesh. And you despaired that you would be able to do the right thing at the right time. Because the pressure and the weight on you Was all other Now God wants to help you He wants to help you today If If You seek him While he may be found And call upon him While he is near If It's conditional upon you. I don't know what it was. I don't know where it came from. But I know its intent and purpose was to destroy you, to make you do the wrong thing. What you need to know now is if you did the wrong thing, there is grace and Jesus will forgive you. So if you did the wrong thing when that weight rolled over you, I want you to raise your arms and say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Take my life, Lord, and help me to do the right thing at the right time. I receive your grace. I receive it right now. Lord, those who raise their hands, I pray that you minister to them by your Holy Spirit, that your grace and your forgiveness just pour over them. Help them, Lord Jesus, today. Strengthen them in their inner being with your word and your truth, Father. Fortify their lives so strong that they do the right thing at the right time. Those who have been captivated by worry, financial stress and strain, its just been bugging you all week and you've just not been able to get out of that. God's just saying, leave it for me. I will look after it. So I want you to raise your hands and say, Jesus, I've given it all to you. I can't look after that. I don't know how to control that thing. I give it to you now, Lord Jesus. Lord, let your grace minister to these as well in Jesus' name. And those who feel that they haven't spent enough time with God and they've known and God has been prompting them and the Holy Spirit's been calling them, but they've just been too busy to spend some time then it's your turn to raise your hands to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me to the right thing at the right time. I want to seek your face. I want to know you. I want to draw from you like drawing waters from a, living waters from a well that is deep within. Quench my thirst, Lord Jesus. Fill me with yourself. Overflow me, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for this congregation right now in the name of Jesus and ask that you administer to each life now. By your Holy Spirit, just quicken them, Father, that the wisdom of God may be manifest in the faces of principalities and powers. Every demon on assignment, we speak to you right now in Jesus Christ, and we say, you will not prevail in this place. In Jesus' name, we declare that the God of Israel, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, God who is with us will conquer you through the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of the cross, we come to you right now, Jesus, and we say we are more than victorious in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And we give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you thanks, Lord Jesus, because you cause us to triumph in the face of hardship in Jesus' name. We may be beaten down, but we are not broken, Lord Jesus. We may be stumbled, but we can get up again, Father. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your goodness, Lord Jesus. And we bless you, Lord Jesus, right now in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.